and welcome to the City Diplomacy Student Podcast, Season 4, Episode 7. I'm your host, Sandro, in collaboration with Flora under the supervision of Dr. Lorenzo Kilgren Grandi, Professor of the Fall Semester 2021 City Diplomacy course at the Paris School of International Affairs. Today, Flora and I will explore the scope of UNICEF's urban policy, and that's why I want to invite Flora. Can you run us through the topic before we dig deeper into concrete actions and projects? Of course. Thank you, Sandro. UNICEF works in over 190 countries to save children's lives, to defend their rights, and to help them fulfill their potential from early childhood through adolescence. For the first time in history, more than half of humanity lives in urban areas, a figure that will edge close to 70% by 2050. Of the 4 billion people living in urban areas today, nearly a third of them are children. Cities generate over 80% of global GDP, there are sources of growth and innovation, diversity and connectivity, and they are the major driving forces to achieve development, given the current situation and urbanization of the world. Nevertheless, the available data clearly shows that children from the poorest urban households are not getting fair access to vital services, such as healthcare, education, water sanitation, housing, transportation, and basic infrastructure. Without enhanced planning and sound investments, urban poverty is likely to deepen in the next decades. The situation is alarming because in the next decades, around 95% of urban expansion will take place in the developing world. By 2030, it is expected that one in four people globally will be slum dwellers. The democratic shift to urban areas and linked challenges and opportunities underline the need to rethink cities and their leaders' responsibilities. Adapting urban planning for children is therefore critical as the action or inaction of the government impact children more strongly than any other group in society. They are still developing and are therefore especially vulnerable to poor living conditions such as poverty, inadequate healthcare, nutrition, safe water, housing and environmental pollution. The effects of disease, malnutrition and poverty threaten the future of children and therefore the future of the societies in which they live. The costs to society of failing children are huge. Without special attention to the, to the opinions of children, as expressed at home and in schools in local communities, children's views go unheard on the many important issues that affect them now or will affect them in the future. According to the mapping report of Urban Programming, WASH is UNICEF's most prominent urban strand of work. Sandro, can you tell us more about it? Well, uh, firstly, let me underline the fact that worldwide 2.2 billion people still lack access to safe drinking water. Um, More than half of the global population does not have access to safe sanitation. Um, Three billion people don't have access to hand washing facilities with soap. And still uh, 673 million people practice open defecation. This is exactly why the WASH program was initiated and it stands for Water, Sanitation and Hygiene. It envisages the support of the most marginalized urban children and their families with WASH services. The operation of this program is undertaken uh, on national and regional levels. The aim of the program is to expand urban populations with unequal access to WASH services. The need for universal access to water and sanitation to achieve the SDGs and the fact that poor uh, WASH services threaten public health, especially in high-density urban areas. Although children in urban areas tend to have better access to WASH than their rural counterparts, inequalities are stark, with the poorest often having little or no ability to use these basic services. This is particularly the case for children living in slums and other impoverished urban settlements, 
In addition, the impacts of climate change, environmental hazards, and natural disasters are magnified in such settlements, which often face overcrowding, lack of urban planning, and vulnerable wash infrastructures. These realities uh, exacerbate um, children's vulnerabilities and lack of access, and have driven the focus on meeting urban wash needs. The framework is meant to be used by regional and country offices to develop more localized, context-specific and urban wash frameworks and uh, strategies for urban slums, small towns and uh, urban areas in humanitarian and protracted crisis settings. It provides opportunities for partnerships and it's structured around support at the sector level, service and user levels with suggested uh, entry points and activities for engagement. Sandro, what is the structure of the framework? Well, um, it is structured around three areas of support, sector level, service level and user level support with suggested entry points and activities for engagement in urban wash. Well, at the sector level, support comprises UNICEF interventions at the national level aimed at supporting uh, governments and partnering with other UN organizations to strengthen the enabling environment to deliver effective, sustainable and inclusive urban wash interventions. Such interventions include evidence generation and analysis, institutional support coordination, uh, sector financing, capacity development, uh, planning, monitoring and review. While at the service level, um, support encompasses UNICEF's work to improve the delivery of WASH to the urban population through formal, informal, private or public service providers and regulators. Uh, priority entry points for the support include supporting service delivery mechanisms to reach the poorest populations and promoting poor inclusive financing strategies for urban WASH services. Finally, for the user level, its support uh, focuses on empowering uh, communities and families and increasing their access to war services and their capacity to engage with service providers and policymakers. Achieving this, the framework notes, requires encouraging low-income urban communities to participate in planning and implementation of war service uh, and strengthening uh, accountability structures. To bring an example of UNICEF's uh, regional framework for urban wash in South Asia, um, South Asia presents key challenges which UNICEF tries to accommodate in its work in the region. These include an urbanizing population with some of the largest megacities in the world and large numbers of residents living in informal settlements, for example, Pakistan, India, Bangladesh. There are also deep-rooted problems with op open defecation and poor hygiene and significant solid waste management issues. And what is its strategy? What is its main focus? Can you tell us a bit more? The framework has afforded UNICEF South Asia greater confidence to guide country programs in uh, relation to urban wash programming. The framework recognizes the significant level of urban wash work with, uh, which UNICEF is currently undertaking across South Asia, its deep involvement in Pakistan and Bangladesh, and the particular focus on slums. Five focus areas for UNICEF can be highlighted. The uh, first one is upstream work on policy influence at the national government level, including lobbying for pro-poor urban wash governance and the regulation. For the second one, midstream work on data collection and analysis, generating evidence to advocate for rights for children and the most vulnerable and entitlements for budgeting. For the third one, midstream work on capacity building for local authorities and wide range of uh, service providers, giving attention to wash and solid waste management, sustainable planning, including environmental impact mitigation and financial modeling. 
while for the first uh, fourth um, it's mid uh, and downstream work on resilience spanning development mitigation measures to humanitarian inter interventions and finally downstream work on multi-sector uh, program activity through social mobilization innovation and demonstration models and very limited service provision for those uh, most deprived the child-friendly cities initiative also deserves particular attention um, flora can you run us through the main context of this network the Child-Friendly Cities Initiative merits particular attention in its pioneered dimension of involving children in, in the decision-making process. A child-friendly city can therefore be defined as a city, town, community, or any system of local governance committed to improving the lives of children within their jurisdiction. In order to do so, it sets a framework for establishing safe, equitable, and inclusive cities. The Child-Friendly Cities Initiative was launched in 1996 to set up the pillars of these new goals and to set up a network bringing together municipal governments, children and other stakeholders such as civil society organizations and the private sector. Since its creation, CFCI has been adopted in more than 3,500 municipalities in 57 countries, impacting the lives of an estimated 30 million children. Flora, what does building a child-friendly city require? It requires having a system in place to facilitate public participation in decision-making to promote local accountability for children's rights. It also requires that government undertake all appropriate legislative, administrative and other measures to implement child rights to the maximum extent of their available resources and where needed within the framework of international cooperation. With an effective organization in place, embedding the CFCI framework into a city's existing infrastructure, the goal is to create equal opportunities for all children. To do so, a situation analysis is conducted in order to better understand the status of children's issues. It entails identifying the most marginalized and vulnerable children, the barriers to inclusion that they face, and removing these barriers. Starting from there, there are five goal areas safety and inclusion, children's participation, equitable social services, safe living environments, and play and leisure. Government data is then analyzed and youth community assessments are conducted to determine priorities. Intergenerational workshops are also put in place to bring stakeholders together and to deliver action plans by gathering the best and most effective ideas. We will focus our example to illustrate the CFCI actions on the recent launch of the CFCI in the US amidst the global pandemic. Indeed, the COVID-19 crisis has reinforced the necessity of an urban strategy worldwide, not only in developing countries. The number of children in poor households is estimated to have risen by 142 million by the end of 2020. Up to 94% of students were affected by school closures at the height of the pandemic, and at least one-third were unable to access remote learning. As the pandemic spread, it quickly became clear that the crisis was disproportionately being felt in urban areas, which accounted for about 90% of reported cases. In the US, six local governments, which are Houston, Minneapolis, San Francisco, Johnston City, Decatur, and Prince George County, signed on to pilot the two-year CFCI Framework for Action initiated by UNICEF USA in 2020, and it has already made a difference in the lives of nearly 1 million children and young people. Since then, 
Five additional cities have already taken steps to start including children in their policy making processes, and they are considering a more formal commitment to the CFCI initiative. Those five cities are Boulder, Chicago, Jacksonville, La Mesa, and Richmond. In San Francisco, after identifying the need for a safe, accessible outdoor space in a crowded Tenderloin neighborhood, they decided to establish what is now called the Safe's Passage Park. They transformed the sidewalk on the south side of Turk Street into a recreation area, including play equipment for kids, yoga and art classes, murals and pet-friendly areas. In Minneapolis, the CFCI Executive Committee includes members of the Minneapolis Youth Congress, which was created in um, 2007. For their inaugural project, CFCI Minneapolis and Hennepin Healthcare Department of Pediatrics teamed up to launch the Reach Out and Read Child Rights Literacy Project, distributing more than 500 books on child rights to families in hospitals and community clinics, with plans to distribute thousands more in the coming year. Sandro, after everything we've talked about, how would you sum up the UNICEF year run strategy in a few words? To conclude, UNICEF works in the world's toughest places to reach the most disadvantaged children and adolescents and to protect the rights of every child everywhere, across more than 190 countries and territories. Adapting to urban planning and challenges that the world faces is critically important to UNICEF. This is exactly why UNICEF is extensively working with WASH Initiative and the Child-Friendly Cities Initiative with the aim of expanding urban populations with an equal access to WASH services and fighting vulnerability of poor living conditions such as poverty, inadequate health care, nutrition, safe water, housing and environmental pollution. Last but not least, some recommendations can be made in order to advance UNICEF's urban strategy. Beyond WASH and the CFCI initiative, three further and interrelated strands are required to strengthen UNICEF's urban environmental work. The first would be greater attention to the effects of harmful pollutants on children and actions to reduce them and addressing environmental degradation as neither urban strategy systems nor transportation systems, the biggest two sources of greenhouse gas emissions are being developed with children in mind. The increased attention to and potentially historic accords on climate and environment, recently approved by member states and also endorsed by the world's mayors, provides an unprecedented opportunity for UNICEF to push forward a global agenda on reducing harmful pollutants by air, land or water for children. The second would be to strengthen urban resilience in disaster risk reduction for children and with children. Urban areas are vulnerable to natural hazards, earthquakes, droughts, floods, epidemics and storms and man-made hazards including conflict especially because of their high population density. A third and related challenge and area of action would be to provide a safe environment for children caught up in urban humanitarian crisis. Urban environments have in recent past experienced devastating emergencies, both natural and man-made. Earthquakes in Haiti and Nepal, epidemics such as COVID-19, and conflicts in Afghanistan, Myanmar, Ethiopia, for instance, have hit urban children hard. UNICEF needs to strengthen its capacity to safeguard the well-being of urban children caught up in this challenging crisis. Thank you for listening to us and see you soon for another season of the City Diplomacy Students podcast. Mm -hmm.